Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Sorry for the uh, slightly delayed start, Annabelle. I just we were ready to go, and then I needed to to go and answer the call of nature. That's fine. It happens. It does. Although I've noticed that you know they say pride comes before a fall. Mm, mm. Do you remember me not that long ago, in recent years, bragging about the 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 strength of my my stream? <laughs> yeah. How could how could I forget? It's diminished to a trickle. You were joking. Not only that, but the gap between my brain saying, okay, go, and something happening. Multiple seconds these days. Is this age? It sounds a lot like age. This is this is what I don't know. I had some fairly invasive investigative stuff done uh, within the last 18 months Mm. which makes me think it's not anything terrifying but i do think it could be i think it might be called prostasis oh but anyway i would like to see i thought about doing a twitter poll saying like how long before sending the message and the floodgates opening and then giving people options in milliseconds, instant, several seconds, and, and so on. But I thought that wouldn't be good data because I need to know mm-hmm. how much that changes with age. Yeah, yeah. You need to do a more um, complex survey, basically. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I need sure to go out the clipboard. <laughs> yeah, need to exactly. go out the clipboard. Need a clipboard. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, so so that was that. Um, mm. Now. I need to tell you something. Something I got back from holiday today, and mm-hmm. we took a taxi from the train station. And I was chatting away to my son in the in the taxi, and the taxi driver, who was an affable fella, he was joining in from time to time. When we arrived, Gene got out. He was excited to get back into his house and all this stuff, and he shouted, "Come on, Dad!" Meanwhile, I'm fumbling around for my wallet to pay. And the taxi driver says, oh, are you his dad, are you? (gasps) He says, well, you know, you have to be politically correct these days, don't you? And do you know what I thought? 
What? I thought, yes, you do have to be politically correct. I, I, I don't know what situation you're envisaging, but that is very sensitive. And it's great that you're understanding the the positive aspects. Often when you hear people of uh, that generation say political correct, you, you know they're about to say something awful or express <laughs> a terrible opinion. And and that yeah. wasn't the case at all. Um, so I, w- I was pleased to hear that until he said, yeah, because you never know whether it's uh, a dad or a granddad. Oh, no, that's what I was worried about. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I just can't. <laughs> the tactlessness of this person not to cover up their mistake. Well, <laughs> let, let me tell you something. A while ago, about mm. a month ago, I was walking through some market in London with my son and there was a market stall holder who likes a bit of banter. He he says to yeah. Eugene, he says, who's this? Is this your granddad? And oh. I, I thought that was just banter. I thought it was just banter because I clearly don't look like a granddad. I look like a hip young dad of 48. Um <laughs> So I just bantered back. I have to admit, my my comeback wasn't very good. I said, "He wishes." Like, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> he wishes. Why would he wish? It? Why would he wish I was his granddad? I don't know. <laughs> Probably because he'd buy you more sweets if I'm going anything by my son's <sighs> grandparents. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. What I've started doing is um, if I st- even if the person with the child looks could easily be in their 90s, I always say I always make out I think they're the mum. Yes. They'll, they'll feel really good about themselves, which is what everyone should be doing. Like everybody. Because you, you, for example, I know you were technically a geriatric mother, but mm. you're a confusing one because you look at least 10 years junior to your actual age. Wow. However, you have a very old lady-like quality to you in the the way that you just your sort of physical presence in the world. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think it probably does confuse people a lot. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you wanted to go into acting, you could be like the um, the woman who played the granny in the Belleville Hillbillies, where she was much younger, but <laughs> they were able to really ramp up that granny-like quality with uh, with hair and makeup. And wardrobe and so on. Yeah. Um, let me tell you something, though, because I, I, I do think of myself as like this young hip thing. Uh, when, when we're on holiday in Chicago, I got a lot of compliments on my Terry Towling shirt. Oh, that one. Did mm. you? Good. Yeah. Good. Lots of people asking where I got it or just shooting admiring glances towards it. But <laughs> But now I am worried that I look like yeah, the sort of retiree that you would see in an American film who goes and spends six months of the year in Florida and has a big personality. Yeah. I yeah. wonder if that Terry Towling shirt is is giving me that kind of air. Mm, were you wearing it in the taxi? <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't. All oh, right, okay, okay. Here's okay, what I think, okay. though. I think even if, I, you know, if, if people are mistaking me for an old-age pensioner, I don't think I have that kind of big personality pensioner vibe to me. You think you'd be a bit more of a quieter pensioner? Do you not think if you imagine me as an old man, you're not imagining mm. like a, a a guy in the retirement community in Florida who's the life and soul, organising the bowling games. That's not me, is it? 
No, and we're thinking a bit more kind of gentle Werther's original type Werther's vibe. Werther's original, yeah. exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ooh, grandson, why don't you uh, come and oh, sit no, on my knee? And, uh... Not the voice. No, why? <laughs> no, no, it's creepy. it's creepy. I can't wait to... What, what age do you think it will be acceptable for me to start speaking in that voice? No age, like, literally no age. But why? No, that's, no I think, age. Do you not think that's an acceptable voice for an old man? No, I, I don't. That's my point. It's creepy. Mm. It's creepy at this age. It's creepy in the in your nineties. It's just it's creepy, and it's the sitting on my knee thing as well. <laughs> you know, it's creepy. I'm, I'm only saying it to a uh, a fictional grandchild, though. Right, right. So I'm you're not down the string fellows. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> I was trying to think like how I could turn this seeming like a granddad to my advantage. And I, I don't really seem, I can't really see a way how I can really, because I know some people say, oh, I can't wait to mold. I'll just be really crotchety with everybody, but I'm just too needy to be liked. That hasn't lessened at all as I've got older. So it's not like I can just be crotchety and say what I think. I think the way that I would use it is I would use it as an excuse for feeling better about bad parenting because everyone think, well, it's the grandparent. They spoil the kids anyway. You know, they, they're not <laughs> supposed to be the strict ones, are they? I think that's how I would I would use it. <laughs> can I um, can I tell you a story that I think may be a little bit too heartbreaking? Oh, I don't know. OK, go on, go on. What would you say my greatest fear is as somebody who knows me very well? <sighs> Um, I, I don't know, but I'm guessing losing it all and like being homeless, not having any money. Yes, that's that's the source of most of my anxiety. I'd say that my greatest fear is that that my son ends up too too much like me. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, really? yeah. I don't. I don't want him to have this life. This this inner life. It's not something I'd wish on him. But so oh. so so that's that's like a, a constant thing that. I, I I sort of struggle with. Anyway, one of the ways I see it manifesting itself is he is physically ungainly. Right. Which I think it's fair to say that I am physically ungainly. I can't tell if you're leaving the long pause because you agree with me, <laughs> but you don't want to actually... Kick a man while he's down and, and come out and say it. No, it's, it's because uh, the line went out. Oh, okay, okay. I'll believe that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm bad at sports, clumsy, always dropping things, can't run well. I think I move in a way that is borderline comical to right. people. And Gene is not not like that. No, right. he's five years old. Who knows how these things will yep. shake out? Yeah. But for example, he couldn't beat another kid in a race. Okay, at the moment, yeah, he couldn't catch. Things something. could change. Couldn't catch something, which right that other, might not change. Kids, yeah, and, and these, these are things that I, I, I think have come from me because Sarah's good with all that stuff. So I'm beating myself up mm. about it. Okay. Anyway, so so we're on holiday. We are at his grandma's house and she has made a bucket of water balloons for her three grandchildren 
she's got four, but one's only tiny. The three boys to throw around on the driveway of her house and throw at the wall and make them splatter. Wow, okay. fun gran. Yeah. Love it. She, she, as we know, Lynn Barron is a, is, is a fun person. Mm. Now, his cousins, one is about 10 months older than him, the other is two or three months younger than him, so all very much in the same age range. Yeah. They are more physical than he is. Mm-hmm. You, see, you see what I'm saying here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so watching him try to throw these water balloons is like watching myself at that age. Right. Oh. He he doesn't throw well. He doesn't have the the heft, the power in his throw to hit the wall with such force that the water balloon would burst. And right. I'm watching his two cousins mm. burst balloon after balloon after balloon, while Jean just sort of feebly throws these things at the wall, and then they just bounce down onto the ground and. St- oh. Yeah, and and this is this is bringing up all my stuff about oh God, he's he's going to end up like me. So I'm over there, I'm helping him and trying to show him how to do it. It's not working. It's just making matters worse, if anything. Mm. Eventually, he hits on up on the idea of throwing the water balloon up into the air, and yeah. then when it comes down, splash! It splats on the on the driveway, and and that's how okay. he's going to burst the balloons. And that's how he does it. And I stand and I watch this, and I think I've got tears in my eyes as I'm doing it. (laughs) But I'm proud of him because he's figured out how to do it his way. After he does this two or three times, this is the bit where it's about to get heartbreaking. Okay. He comes over to me and goes, Dad. I say, what? He says, can we talk? Can we talk in private? (laughs) I say, of course we can. So we go inside Everyone else is outside, so we go inside. He says, sit down. So I sit down. He sits down next to me. And he looks me right in the eyes and he goes, Dad. I say, what? He says, it's okay to be different, you know. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. I just feel like it's so heartbreaking in so many different ways i think it's heartbreaking because you know he's he's intuited something about himself and sort of beautifully heartbreaking because he's made some kind of peace with it but i think it's especially Mm. heartbreaking because he has Mm. intuited that it is some way painful to me and this five-year-old kid is trying to allay the fears and anxieties of a nearly 50-year-old man wow it's extraordinary <laughs> and heartbreaking. It really bodes well for other fears of mine that he might be. I mean, I'm really feeling now that I might be able to lean on him with with regards to some of my anxieties. <laughs> I mean, this is my hope now. <laughs> I think I'll save a lot of money in therapy in years yeah. to come because he will just intuit so many of my issues. <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle. Yes. How is our inbox looking? What have we been hearing from our drifters? Well, I'm very happy that our first one is a medley. We were talking about medley. Oh, yeah. We love a medley. Love a medley. Yes. This is from Vicky from Enfield. I am a rather clumsy person with poor spatial awareness, and this occasionally causes moments of social awkwardness and embarrassment. Here are some examples. Number one. 
I was on a bus one day sitting at the back. There was a seat directly opposite me occupied by an elderly gentleman. As my stop approached, I half stood and leaned over to press the bell. Unfortunately, this coincided with the bus driver slamming on the brakes, which caused me to lurch forward and accidentally punch the old man quite hard in the <gasps> face. I was horrified and apologised profusely. He replied, that's all right, dear, very cheerily. But when I looked back as I got off the bus, he was rubbing his clearly painful oh. and bruised cheek. Oh. I still feel awful when I remember this. Number two. Another accidental assault occurred in the supermarket fruit and veg section. A mushroom had fallen to the ground and naturally I managed to step on this instead of the acres of clear floor around it, which made me skid, fling out my arm and once again punch a hapless bystander. My victim turns around with a look of genuine terror on his face. After I apologised and explained, he confessed he thought he was being attacked in the middle of Sainsbury's and was very relieved <laughs> to find out this wasn't the case. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that someone else who walks around with their, their fists clenched at all times like I do. Like I think it's like an anxiety, like stress thing. But yes. I didn't even notice it until Tom pointed out. He's like, can you just please relax your hands? Like they're always in a fist. Yeah, I do that. And then every now and again, I, I worry that I'm getting arthritis. And then I realise it's just because I, I'm just tense all the time. I hold yeah. all my tension in my fists and in my sphincter. Sorry, I missed that second bit. You hold all your tension in your fist and... My sphincter. <laughs> I wish I just left it. Oh, do you not hold a lot of tension there? I know I do. I'm just trying to have a little feel now and I think I'm fairly relaxed. Yeah, thank you for asking. Nice. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thanks thanks for asking once again. I thought about getting um, some of those, those things that people sniff at discotheques. Oh, poppers. Yes. <laughs> Okay, Grandad. <laughs> oh, you'll be saying in a bit, I keep seeing these little metal canisters uh, yeah, all over yeah, the yeah, floor. Yeah. What are they? You know, Alan Sugar did a tweet about that a few uh, years ago. Oh, don't. Yeah. Oh, as long as you're not doing that. Anyway, no. so I'm guessing that's what Vicky and Enfield's doing. She's walking around with her fists clenched. And so when, whenever she falls, she's accidentally punching yes, people. Yes. Uh, anyway, there's more. Number three. I was out for an early morning run in a nearby country park. Part of the route involves going up a fairly narrow stony path. And on this occasion, a walker was coming down the path towards me. As we passed, I said good morning to him. And then the next second tripped on a rock and went flying. This in itself is sadly not a rare event. Another time when I fell over, I managed to roll over the side of the riverbank as well. But usually <laughs> there is nobody around to witness my humiliation. The man turned back and came to see if I was okay. I breezily cried, yes, thank you, I'm fine, as I lay on the ground with a twisted ankle and blood running down my arm, trying very hard not to shriek and moan with the pain. Eventually, he reluctantly left me so I could lie there for a minute longer before limping off, dripping blood and praying not to meet any other concerned passers-by <laughs> on the way. And number four. Wow. Fine. I know. Finally, one one out driving one day, I turned into a petrol station and unfortunately failed to notice a small bollard on the left hand side of the entrance. I hit the bollard so hard that the car effectively became impaled on it and couldn't be moved in either direction. <laughs> I'm 
that even possible? <laughs> the friend with me couldn't even open the passenger door and had to climb over the seat to get out of the back while I sat, still gripping the steering wheel, frozen in horror. A couple of sturdy men eventually came over and lifted the car off the bollard so that we could drive off, cringing with embarrassment. My buttocks still clench as I recall their faces <laughs> trying not to laugh. Wow. That's extraordinary. Oh, those uh, are brilliant. Yes, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, and then this is from Stephen. For the first time out of lockdown, in my infinite wisdom, I decided to go and meet with some friends for a meal at Wagamama. The meal itself was mostly eventless and went positively smooth. What could really go wrong? Before I go into the inevitable faux pas, I must premise that just prior to the first lockdown, I had surgery and had a hearing aid surgically added onto my skull. And I got the processor for this during lockdown. So up to this point, I wasn't particularly used to social situations or the volume at which everything would end up, including myself. With all this in mind and the fact that I am a chronic drifter, I shall continue. As we were approaching the end of the meal, it came time for one of us to try and get the attention of one of the waitstaff. We discussed that we would all try and gain eye contact with someone and get the bill paid and move on. This inevitably failed and no one was taking any notice of us. Inside, I could feel some courage building to try and speak up at the next wait staff that passed uh -oh. and I could see the opportunity approaching. A member of the team was going to walk past the table when they tried to see the next patrons. As the wait staff approached the table, I went through what I wanted to say in my head. This did not matter, for in this moment, I shouted the only word that came in my mouth. Woman! The moment the words <laughs> left my lips, I shriveled back into the chair as the heads of everyone at the table turned to look at me. I felt sick. The luck comes from the fact that I'm certain she didn't hear in the distraction and loudness of the restaurant. My friends did hear, though, and for the next three hours, I was ridiculed <laughs> as the story was relayed through multiple layers of people. Oh, that's fantastic. It also made me think about how in French you learn that a waiter is called garçon, but that you must never say garçon. Yes. That's garçon. weird. Yes, very weird. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, well, th those, were, uh, th those were both very strong. The medley uh, and that one there. Woman! Um, <laughs> Uh, please send us yours. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle. Yes. Are we having another way in which you're not a fully functioning adult? We are. I don't think that there's a time in my life when I feel more panic than when I'm in a lift and the doors are about to or are starting to close, but somebody is approaching the doors with the aim of getting in the lift mm. and I have to press the button to keep the doors open. Because every time I look at those two buttons, one for keeping the doors open and one for closing them, and in that short time period I have, I cannot work out which is which. <laughs> Do you have this problem as well? I, I, I know what you mean. Oh, I, 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 I don't understand why they don't make the symbols more obvious. For me, they are way too similar. Like there's that little line with one triangle either side. And on one of them, the triangles are pointing away from the line. And on the other one, the triangles are pointing towards the line. And now I've said it, I can see that the one with the triangles pointing away is open, isn't it? That is the open yeah, one, Yeah, so it? I think yeah. the triangles pointing away from, or the arrows yeah. pointing away from each other. That means open. open. So that means press. So that means yes. I press it to keep the doors open. Yes. But 
if I see someone coming towards the lift, my brain freezes and all I see is like triangles and lines. And I can barely <laughs> see the difference between the two, let alone work out what is now for me a complex code on a par with that Enigma one. And what invariably happens is that I just have to look guilt-stricken and mouth-sorry as the doors close in their face. And sometimes if there's someone else in the lift with me who'd been further away from the buttons, they have to take over. And in many ways, that feels <laughs> that feels worse. I just would love it if they'd make it clearer. Like, at best, I would like it if they use the words open and close. And if not, like a picture of a door with some arrows. Arrows would be better than those triangles. It's the triangles, I think, that cause the big problem. <laughs> I did get briefly excited because I was looking up a photo of these buttons so I could sit down and spend some time learning it, like getting it in my head, which one's open. And I ended up reading that the closed door button is actually not wired up to anything. And it's just there to give people the feeling that they're in control. But it turned out just to be in American lifts, not British ones. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting, though. Yeah. Apparently in America, they turned off the close buttons in 1990 because they had this new Disabilities Act. And the idea was it would give disabled people more time to get in the lift so people oh. wouldn't be closing the doors on them. And, and so if you've got a lift that was like there after 1990, which I think is probably most of them because they haven't got a very long lifespan, the close button is, is only there so that you feel like you've got some control. Wow. It's a, like a placebo. Like, like so much like, in life, really. Yes, yes, yes. And also um, crosswalks, that you know, the walk, don't walk. Yes. Like they have the button. In the vast majority of cases, that button doesn't work. It's just there to make you feel like you're in control. What? So the, the green man just sort of comes and goes as he pleases? Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in here, in this country, it's, it is the same with many of them here. The button doesn't work, but the green man's on a timer. Wow. I think, like, I think maybe it's like 50-50. But here, it's, um, it's not a control thing. It's to give small children a reason to live because nobody <laughs> likes pressing that button more than small children. <laughs> I try to think if there's anything in life that on a graph of pleasure from the age of small child to adult has a steeper fall than pressing the button at a crossing. And I fail, I fail to think of anything like... So you're telling me that if you get to the pedestrian crossing, you don't feel slightly disappointed if somebody else gets to press the button? Oh, I feel relieved. I don't want to press it. I love pressing the button still. Oh, hold It's me then. So yes. you still enjoy it? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm completely wrong about that then. Wow. You still like pressing the button? Yeah, I love pressing the button. But what, what, what? Is it control? Is it the control? No, I, I think it's traffic. still maybe I do have a childlike joie de vivre underneath yeah. all this. L- love that. Anyway, I've got to get back now to learning which button is which. So the triangle pointing away, once <laughs> your way is open, I'm going to get it right. I really am. Next time I am. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. going to make a quick statement um mm. i won't stay on it for very long because it's not a topic that everybody likes us talking about but i just want to make a statement and then i would like somebody to tell me why this is true or why it's untrue 
Okay. I feel like my stools are more buoyant in the United States than they are in the United Kingdom. Buoyant. Buoyant. Yeah. <laughs> buoyant. When you say buoyant, yeah. do you mean in a sort of a nautical sense? Yeah, I mean that they, they, they float. Uh, right. Thanks for the clarification. I, I, can, I can make a sizable movement and it will float like a log floating downstream, whereas... Typically at home, it, it would uh, it, it would. By the time I'd look at, um, at, at my handiwork, it'd mm. be heading down. It'd be pointing. It'd be sinking. Oh, I see. Mm. So you're not just talking in terms of the flush, like it's it's resisting the flush. No, I mean it's really it's sink. At home, it sinks right to the bottom, whereas yes. in America, it's like bobbing on top. Yes. How interesting. Okay, that's that that, that that's that done. If anybody can <laughs> either um, give me some reasons to why that might be or why mm. I've just imagined it, then I, um, I'm, I'm curious to hear it, but I won't stay on that. Okay. Here's something slightly embarrassing. Okay. When I go to Sarah's hometown, which is a place called Highland Park, just outside Chicago, they have a chain of, uh, and I think they're they're across the Midwest of America. I've, I've heard about them in films. There's a chain called the Dairy Queen. Have you heard of this? I have heard of that, yeah. And they're little ice cream takeaways. But mm. what they specialise in are something called blizzards. And I think the nearest equivalent we would know would be a McDonald's McFlurry. Okay. It's ice cream all whizzed up and you can whiz up some chocolate bars in there as well and different flavours and so on. And then every season, they introduce a few limited edition blizzards. Right. So whenever we go there, I get very excited about going to this place, even though I suspect that if it was in the UK, I would, would never set foot inside of it. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. In, in much the same way as I'm not snobby about McDonald's. I mean, obviously I'm vegetarian, but I'm not snobby about it. It's just I would never go into a McDonald's. I don't think I've been in one in, in 20 years. Anyway, um, this summer there is a flavour that I saw. In fact, I saw somebody else eating it and I've been ordering it the whole time we're there, but I've been too embarrassed to tell Sarah or any member of her family what the flavour is. Really? What's he been keeping it a secret? Yes. They say, what flavour have you got? And I say, I'm sorry, I'm not going to tell you. You're ju- I'm desperate to know what it is. And, and they us. say, um, but what, what, why not? What is it? I said, you'll judge me too harshly. You'll lose what medic- modicum of respect you already had for me. I can't tell you what this is. Wow. Come on, you have to say, you just have to say, what is it? Well, I'll give you the detail that the person I saw eating it was a child Right, okay. So it's something only a child would order. Oh, really? Am I supposed to guess here? Is it? No, no, you'll never guess. I'll never guess? No. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't even think we have them here, but it's frosted animal cookies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Your dirty little secret. I had about four in the uh, in the nine oh. days we were there. But it's really embarrassing as a grown-up because... Um, I'm not letting Jean eat these things, full of sugar. Um, but it's really embarrassing going in and ordering a frosted animal cookie flavoured blizzard, but they're so nice. Can you talk me through? I'd love to know everything that, that your internal dialogue when you saw that and decided to buy it, everything that was going in your head through your head. Well, 
I, I heard a kid in front of me order a frosted animal blizzard. I thought, oh, I wonder what that is. And then when, when it was handed to them, I thought, want one. And oh, then I thought to myself, right. hang right, on, this, right. is, this is che- clearly uh, child-orientated food marketed at children. Yeah, yeah. And then I thought, you know, sometimes you're a stranger in a strange land. You can be who you want to be, reinvent yourself. And I reinvented myself as an adult who eats children's food. <laughs> sometimes it's good to be different. Yeah, I'm not sure that I don't look creepy. Right, right. No, no, I do sort of worry creepy. that I'm using, people think I'm using it to entice someone. No, 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 no. no. You I think, think, I think you're, you're fine me. there. Okay. Yeah, I think if, as long as you don't do that weird voice, I think you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, could I have no, a frosty no, animal? No, no, okay, no, okay, no, okay. no, no. What sort of helped is everybody working in this place seems to be a child anyway, and I don't think that's just me getting old. Oh, really? It seems to be run by children. It was like the <laughs> CBB like show, Bugsy Bigleton. Like yeah, Bugsy Malone, that was better. Um, what else was going to tell you about? Oh, so I, you, you, I think we've mentioned on the podcast, you have a business um, that you've started. Yeah. Which is called Get, Get, Got. And it's a great idea for a business. It's basically, the, the, can, can I do the sell or do you want to? Uh, you can do it if you like. Okay, so here's the idea. This is what I think your business is. Okay. You're doing something new. Yeah, You know you time. need to buy a bunch of stuff, but you yep. don't know what that stuff is. Yep. Go to Get, Get, Got, and you will find out exactly what you need in the order you need it, mm-hmm. not as chosen by somebody who's trying to sell you something, but nope. as chosen by the people who need it. Yep. That's the idea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everything you need in order of popularity, so you yes. know what you actually need and what you don't really need. Yeah, and and for the launch, it's been very focused on uh, uh, objects you need when you become a parent. Yeah. So that's Annabelle's business, and as a consequence of this, you've had to do more social media that in than in the past that you've been been comfortable with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What works? On social media, what what is the thing that makes a difference? I'd love to know. <laughs> well, you've told me that if you put a bit of yourself into it oh, and you make it personal, you. yeah, and you make it about your this. story, yeah, then yeah, people yeah. engage with it more. Yeah, I mean, I've yet to do that, but apparently so. Yeah, yeah, and that it's that, all about the brand story. Yeah, but that is the antithesis of of you sort mm. of showing off your life on social media. Mm-mm. And I kind of feel the same way, only I have mined my own life for material on radio shows with uh, a, a lot of candour about some terrible and embarrassing things for, for decades now, mm. which makes me think that I should have a good sense of what would work on social media. Right. Now, my wife is uh, she also has to use social media in her life as a comedian. So she's constantly asking me, uh, do you think I should put this up? Do you think I should put that up? And, and here's what I struggle with. My whole career, I have had the attitude, if something good happens to you, that isn't a story worth repeating on the radio. <laughs> Whereas if there's some disaster, then it's <laughs> funny and you, you use it to to tell people on the air. Yeah. But what I don't get about social media is people seem to like looking at other people having a nice thing or showing off about yes. how great things are. 
Oh, it's very, it's all very complicated. So I should be better than anybody at social media because I have been candid in a medium for for decades mm. and yet I'm really bad at it because I find it so difficult to be positive on there mm, mm. because it, to me it feels like you're showing off or who cares like my my absolute bottom line is nobody wants to hear about your great holiday people want to hear about the disaster you had on on holiday because that's a better story yeah 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 but Wait, I feel like and, and, social media is completely disproving that. And people just like looking at pictures of other people having a nice holiday. Oh, I don't know. I think I think it's so much more complicated than that. It's like, well, they like my posts and they've interacted. I think it's, I don't, I don't understand it. It's very weird. And I agree. It doesn't mm. make sense. It's wrong. Anyway, that's been a, a bit of a back and forth with us on, on this holiday as Sarah trying to use bits of our holiday for content. And I'm saying, but nothing's gone wrong. How is that content? <laughs> yeah so do do you ever get to veto things say no you can't you can't put that on there Mm, a little bit no i'm not listened to or respected Mm. in my marriage so ah okay it's all coming out now okay (laughs) okay see one thing i thought was interesting but she didn't is my mother-in-law has started uh she's she's gone big on the uh imperfect vegetables she has boxes of imperfect vegetables delivered oh yeah yeah which are basically um vegetables that just aren't aesthetically as aesthetically pleasing right yeah yeah they taste the same but they just don't look pretty yeah and i am a big fan of vegetables not looking how they in inverted commas should Mm. because how are we ever going to get a that's life reboot (laughs) if we don't get vegetables that look like genitalia exactly and did she get any because that would have been very good on social media, surely. Not yeah, but it's it's only a matter of time, isn't it? Sifting yeah, through yeah. those imperfect veg boxes. I remember even being a kid. Do you remember there used to be adverts for the Bird's Eye Country Club, which was mm. the high-end bird's eye frozen vegetables, <laughs> and only the perfect ones could get into the country club. And it'd be an animated <laughs> advert where the slightly misshapen or ugly peas wouldn't be able to get in. <gasps> And wow. I remember watching that and feeling affronted by it because I knew that if I was a pea, I wouldn't be one of the good-looking peas that was being allowed into the country club. I would have been one of the excluded ones, and I had more empathy. No, this this I is just me. Believe. I honestly think you're the only person that empathises with the ugly pea on the bird's eye country club. I don't really? think anyone else read that much into it. But you, really, but now you've said it, it's very wrong, isn't it? They wouldn't be able to do that now, would they? We have a friend um, uh, called Emily. Annabelle and I. Mm. And I remember Emily once telling me, and I'm going to have to use that word that I can never say, which is anthropomorphizing. Anthropomorphizing. Yeah, that thing where you ascribe human characteristics to an object. Mm. So she would tell me that when she would have peas on her plate, she could never leave one behind. She'd have to eat Mm. all of them because Mm. she would feel too sorry for the pea left behind that it wasn't with its friends and family. Oh, yes, yes. Whereas I would think that the, the, your friends and family have, have met their doom by being eaten, <gasps> but you could escape to keep their memory alive. Oh, wow, the difference in how you looked at that. I was, I'm definitely more Emily. I'd be like, yeah, you want to be with your mates. I've got to eat you too. Mm. Wow. But that, but for you, is the peas had like something awful had happened to them. Yeah. So they'd gone in. They'd gone into your body. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the other one, one was, is was, there. 
is the I hero will tell the world your story. Yes. I will keep your yes, memory alive. The lucky one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that says so much. Really covered a lot of ground there, didn't we? From uh, buoyant bowel movements to... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. To, I'm not even going to attempt that word again. No. Okay. <laughs> All right, Annabelle, quandary corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Okay, first one from Vicky. It was my birthday a few weeks ago. One of my best friends kindly told me she'd ordered my birthday present and it should arrive in good time for my birthday. My birthday arrived and no gift to be seen. She asked if it had arrived and when I said no and then checked and she said that she'd been told it was on its way. Great, I thought. I love spreading out the birthday joy and quite happy to get a gift a bit later. Two and a half weeks on and still no gift. My quandary is, what is worse? Her potentially thinking I'm a terribly ungrateful friend who hasn't bothered myself to thank her for the gift or letting her know the gift hasn't arrived and potentially seeming like I'm a complaining and demanding that the gift hasn't been produced. If I knew what the gift was, I could just pretend thank her. But if I do a generic thank you and she asks a specific question, then I'm screwed. Mm -hmm. Tricky. I'm uh, because she had already checked. I yes. think you're within your rights to say, "Oh, you know what? It still hasn't come yet." Yeah, and and I wonder if there's a way of phrasing it where you can say something along the lines of, "Is there anything I can do to take this off your plate?" Because yeah. it is so kind of you to get me a birthday gift, and I don't want this to be admin for you. Do you want to forward me the email, and I can do the the chasing up of it? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the only thing to do. You can't. You can't just leave it because it will come up eventually and she'll be like, why didn't you tell me? And then you look ungrateful for not even yeah. wanting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I, think, okay. I don't think there's anything more to be said on that one. No, I think we covered that very okay. well. Okay. And this one's from Jane. During lockdown, I've been taking my toddler to the same local... Or, or you could take a... Sorry, I was thinking you could take it's a okay. selfie of yourself looking really happy and surprised and overjoyed and you say, present just arrived. This is my face right now. Okay. Even though it hasn't arrived. Yeah. And then that covers all. But then what if she starts asking questions like that you have to answer? Ask me a question. Um, well, um, what did it taste like? Couldn't have been happier with it. You know me so well. Oh, you, you're doing good generic answers. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, I'll try and trick you. I'm going to try and trick you. <laughs> I don't think her friend's going to be trying to trick her though. So, um, in, in what's in what occasion did you find it work best? There isn't an occasion <laughs> where. In what occasion did I find it didn't work best? Right. Yeah, that, that kind of thing. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right, next one then from Jane. During lockdown, I've been taking my toddler to the same local park near our house. A few days ago, I decided to branch out and visit a park on the other side of town. It's a big park with lots of different things to do and is generally considered the best park in our area. I've got a foot injury at the moment and I'm waiting for surgery, so we had to drive there. The car park is being used as a COVID testing station, but a bay of spaces have been left for visitors to the park. I pulled up in a space in the car park got my son into his buggy and walked to the ticket machine. As I worked out how much time I would need and how much money to put in the machine, I heard someone shouting. I turned around and saw a man wearing a high-vis vest standing outside the COVID test centre tent, waving his arms frantically at me. 
I couldn't quite hear what he was saying, but he looked very official and like he worked at the testing centre. I took a few steps towards him, thinking I wasn't allowed to use the car park. I motioned to him that I would leave, but he came closer and kindly explained that it was fine to park there, but I didn't have to pay for a ticket because of COVID. This didn't really compute. Why would COVID mean people didn't have to pay for car parking? I've seen traffic wardens out and about throughout the lockdown, so it didn't make much sense to me. Normally, when parking charges are suspended, the council puts a bag over the machine and sticky tapes a temporary notice over the sign. I looked back at the ticket machine. It was working and inviting me to select a time. I looked at the sign above the ticket machine, which made no mention of the parking charges being suspended. There was nothing sign-wise to suggest I didn't have to pay. I looked back at the man who was looking at me expectantly. I didn't know what to do. He was probably correct, but what if he wasn't? I desperately wanted to buy a parking ticket. The idea of breaking the rules and not paying my dues horrified me. And it was only 70p. I had visions of getting a big fat yellow penalty notice slapped on my car and ascending into a life of crime and moral turpitude, (laughs) all for the sake of saving less than the price of a can of pop. I decided I would rather pay unnecessarily than risk a penalty notice. But the man was still watching me and was clearly going to watch me until I left. How could I ignore his very well-meant and probably accurate advice and buy a ticket, essentially tell him to his face I thought he was either a liar or an idiot? An age passed while I stood frozen. In the end, I thanked him and said, Oh, silly me, I've left something in the car and took a long, slow walk to the car. Once I was confident his back was turned, I bundled my son back into his car seat, threw the buggy in the boot and left sharpish. I'm fairly confident I did the only sensible thing in this horrifying circumstance, but I would like to go back to this good part one day. I was hoping COVID would go away so the testing centre and the man wouldn't be there anymore. But I've just heard the government has asked the council if the testing centre can be there for another six months at least. What should I do if I go there again and the same thing happens? Oh, God, you see, we're, we're quite different people because I would have rather faced having my car torn away and having to pay <laughs> like a horrendous fine <laughs> and having it as a permanent stain on my record yeah. than, than make this man feel like I was ignoring his kindness. But I think um, the one thing that we can all agree on is that you can't go against the man. You either leave yes. or you risk the fine. You yes. can't say, yes. thank you so much for helping me. I would like to buy a ticket anyway because the machine's working. Is that possible to say? It's not possible, is it? Can't can't be done. Can't be done. Literally, no, it's impossible. Yeah. Um, So they're the only two options, really. Yeah, risk it. What's the next nearest car park? Okay, that's, yeah. I mean, they're looking at other logistics here, different car parks. Take public transport. Maybe, I know she's broken her foot, she's got needs foot surgery, so maybe pay for a taxi. Yeah, is there some kind That's of dialer ride you could call us? Yeah. I don't know. Not go to the park. But yeah, I think the the only thing you definitely can't do is go against this man. You could you could try yeah. Bring somebody with you to create some kind of diversion? Oh, yes. Yes. Is That's there something idea. else near the ticket machine that you could pretend to be, pretend that you're over there doing something else? That's not, I don't think that's going to be issue, but I like the idea of getting someone to distract you while you pay for a ticket. Oh God! How how I old think, how old was the was it one or one or more children? Uh, toddler, she said. Toddler, toddler, toddler son. Yeah. Because my son loves even at five 
like pressing buttons on those ticket machines and trying to get a piece of paper to come oh, out. Oh, yeah. So you could train your kid to run over to the machine and then you chase after it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you could just pretend, oh, my, sorry, my, I'm not buying a ticket, honestly, but my yes, son likes pressing the yes, buttons. Yes, yes, yes. That's, that's a good it. idea. There we go, there we go. All sorts. Okay, well done. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. If you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, uh, if you have stories of social interactions gone awry, please email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music, to Emily Harrison for the incidental music, Carla Gowlett took our photos, Kim Rainey designed our artwork, and I will finish this week, of course, by shouting, Woman! Annabelle, you did such a fine job reading the uh, publication last week. I thought you could do it again this week. Oh, thank you. It's from Chris Doty. And it says, hello, Jeff and Annabelle. I have interacted with Jeff a few times via my own podcast, Twitter. This This has mostly been about our shared love of Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. Pete Holmes, much overlooked, great sitcom crashing. It's so, or... Did you ever watch that, Annabelle? No, I didn't. I, I think did you'd I, like no, it. No, I didn't. I, and I don't I always would. recommend everything that I watch to you, but I do think no. you'd like that. Mm. Um, or Indian food. Mm-hmm. It is a subject of Indian food that leads me to my reason for this potication. I have sent Jeff Gujarati recipes that my fiance, Parisha, has taught me. This is Actually, true. Quick aside, thanks for the heads up about Sanjana Feast. That is a true treasure trove of goodness. It's really good. This is a, an Instagram account that I follow and she just makes great food. I've cooked quite a bit of it and uh, it's been very good. And then there's a lot of it that I just look at and think, oh, I'm going to eat that one day. <laughs> one, day lovely. Yeah. one day. Something to live for. Yes, quite right. I'd never managed to get Parisha to take much interest in actually listening to the podcast. But she's always amused when I reference you both, which is frequent. She's often saying, you and bloody Jeff Lloyd. (laughs) (laughs) This was until the other week when I was listening to Adrift and she overheard the mug chat section. Uh She loved it and has been speaking about it ever since. Oh. I know. Parisha is very particular about her mug, something I don't share if I'm honest. As long as no cold drinks are served in them, I'm no monster, then it's (laughs) fine as far as I'm concerned. So Parisha obviously has got some tier one and tier two mugs going on there, which is good to know. Yes. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to Parisha as she is an amazing person and deserves it. Sadly, her dad, whom she adored, died very suddenly of a heart attack just before Christmas. He was a lovely man that meant a lot to so many people. During this time, I've watched Parisha support her mum and her family and be someone her dad would really be proud of. We were due to get married in December, but have had to delay five times due to COVID. We are currently set for mid-August for a big Indian slash Western wedding, if the rules permit. Whilst it will be tough not having Parisha's dad there, we know that he will be there in spirit 
And I want to thank Parisha for how positive she's remained these past few months with everything that has happened. If you could give her a prodication, I would be so, so grateful. Also, there is an incredible Gujarati potato baja recipe I've been meaning to share with you. Watch out for a tweet soon from the Wasting Time podcast. Much love, Chris Doty. I will watch out for that tweet. And, and, and well, congratulations to you both, assuming that it happens this month. And uh, yeah, Parisha, in so. fact, both of you, because, you know, obviously these things affect both of you. I'm really sorry to hear that. And, you know, I, I imagine within an occasion like this, it's, it's very present in your mind at the moment mm. as well. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's just desperately sad um and i'm sorry to hear that I, I don't feel like there's anything particularly particular to say that makes uh makes makes much difference but um you know if, if it means anything obviously i know what you're going through and it's hard and it's hard but i bet your dad would be uh dead dead proud of the uh of the wedding and of Chris, actually. I mean, he's got good taste in podcasts, mm. good taste in food, good taste in sitcoms. Mm. I think you've done done well for yourself there. Yeah. I had my doubts about you, Parisha, I'll be honest at first, but <laughs> you really won me over with the, uh, with the uh, keen sense of what is and isn't acceptable in mug world yes. and understanding that there is, in fact, a hierarchy of mugs. Mm. So I've, I've warmed to you. If anything, it probably reflects well on you that you you don't really care for our podcast. But the fact you like mug chat, you know that's that's enough yeah, for me. Yeah, mm. yeah, me too. Mm. Um, but you know, obviously, I'm really sorry to hear your news, and I hope that you can um, find find some joy in this wedding. I'd love to go to uh, a wedding where the food was that good. Mm. It could really distract me from all the social interaction. Yeah, you could just eat, yeah. Yeah, so uh, so there we go. Well, I'll look out for that uh, potato barge recipe as well. And if you would like a podication, then you can email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? 
And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. 